Amen. <laughs> All right, we're done. All right, so uh, this morning we um, we are in John 11, and it's a doozer. It's a doozer. If you guys thought that uh, Jasmine had it tough last week, like we're in John 11. Come on now, like your two pages are just text. So uh, what I want to do, uh, you know, and by the way, I'm sure you guys. Uh, I totally remember, but I preached on this passage in uh, for Easter this last year, and the narrative lectionary is just giving it right back to me. And uh, anyway, so can you guys remember what that was about? That's great. Uh, so uh, we're gonna preach that this morning. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, but I do want to to kind of take the opportunity now uh, to see kind of some other stuff that's going on here. And the, the thread, uh, kind of where this whole thing is going. So, super long text, so I'm going to jump in, and I actually do want to read this text and make a couple comments, and then we'll just sort of shoot off from there. So, verse 1, let's do it. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his hair with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, right? And so he's actually, John is doing this thing where he, John does, and he sort of like pops out of the text and tells you something that actually hasn't happened yet, and it happens like the next chapter. Uh, but it says, So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, rather, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly... <coughs> Though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Um, because that makes sense. Uh, verse 7. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews uh, were just now trying to stone you. They are referring to what just happened in chapter 10. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk out, those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. Right. Jesus said this referring to Facebook trolls who <laughs> Verse eleven. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll be all right. <laughs> God love him. <laughs> Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Mm -hmm. But let us go to him. Thomas, who, call, who was called the twin... <laughs> Said to his fellow, this is this is what happens, by the way. Uh, this is what we talk about with Preston and Warren, like everyone calls them the twins. Like this is what happens after a lifelong of just calling them the twins. You know, like this is not their name. Let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So quick time out, you guys probably know, right? If you're in the tomb four days, right, uh, it's like not kosher, right? Uh, already you're unclean, you mess with the body, but after four days, right, things are, you know, happening. Uh, anyway, 
Verse 18, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So if you are kind of following along, you have a pen or something, when you see like the Jews, just sort of put like a square around it or mental mode or something. Uh, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And while Mary stayed at home, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Mary, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Right, and so you get this awesome uh, uh, I am statement. Right? I am the resurrection and the life. They're, like, these are like in bold in John in the Greek. <coughs> uh, almost. Uh, but uh, it's like, right now, not later, right now. Uh, and so there are sort of these interesting lines where uh, uh, Jesus says, uh, I, I was glad I'm not there so that you may believe. And then, and then Martha says, if you had been here, Lord, you would have been alive. And then Mary says, uh, later, you'll see that if you've been here, you've been alive. Uh, you've been alive, right? So I had this this theory actually, and I've shared this before, like uh, why Jesus raises people from the dead, right? And it's and it's just that, like when Jesus walks in the room, just like he the blind see, right? The lame walk, like when Jesus walks in the room, like death has to leave, right? You know, it's like Jesus walks in and like. Death can't be present, so death has to leave the room. You know, it's like wherever Jesus is present, the kingdom like has to break in, right? Life has to exist. Anyway, verse 28, And when she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Uh, verse 31, the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And it says they followed her uh, because they thought that she was going to get to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came uh, where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet. By the way, Mary is like always at Jesus' feet, which is super interesting, right? Uh, you know, she's there's that whole classic Mary Martha story. Uh, uh, in the next chapter, she's going to be again at his feet, like perfuming his feet with her hair, you know, like he does that. Uh, anyway, she's always at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Uh, and so there's actually this weird thing that happens in the Greek here that, like, befoozles everyone who tries to translate it. And that's why, depending on what your Bible says, uh, it will say all sorts of things. Uh, because um, it's just hard to translate. But, but the main gist is uh, that, that Jesus uh, is angry. <laughs> and, and interpreters try to figure out how to say this in ways that, that fit the text, right? And so you get, like, the word, like, disturbed. Uh, which sort of does the job, but but not really, uh, and and so, uh, but he's he's frustrated, he's angry, he's he's disturbed, uh, deeply moved in his spirit, and he said, "Where have you laid him?" And they said to him, "Lord, come and see." Man, 
uh, Jesus began to weep. And so the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? You just, you just hear him a couple chapters from now, like, Could he who raised Lazarus from the dead not bring himself off the cross? Which is your brownies. Verse 38. <clears throat> then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. Then, uh, when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to him, uh, Hey, will somebody unwrap him? Unbind him and let him go, right? I love that that's in there. Like, he has to say that. They're all just like, what? The job. Verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees called the meeting of the council and said, What are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. Word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Praise the Lord. So good. Let's go home. You know, it's like, ugh. I had a friend that taught a Sunday school class uh, one time, uh, and he, he didn't normally teach. Sunday school, but he taught this one class this one Sunday, and I went, and uh, he literally just got up and like read Ephesians, and then sat down. It was so epic. Like, it was like, yes, done, my job. Uh, anyway, uh, but I'm gonna give some commentary. Uh, so uh, anyway, so there's this uh, there's this recent uh, podcast that Rob Bell did, and he talks about, uh, and I really connected with it, but he uh, he talks about how when he was a kid that his parents had this 1972 Mustang. Uh, a convertible, right? Which I have a 1972 Mustang, but it's not a convertible, but it's awesome. Right? Totally unrelated topic. Uh, anyway, but there's just like this nub between the two uh, seats in the car. And he was like, and they just let him and his, and his siblings just ride everywhere on the nub. You know what I'm saying? Like, no seat belt, nothing, just like in the middle of the, the two seats, right? You just sort of went for it. And, uh, and, and I couldn't help but laugh when he was talking about it because, like, I did the same thing growing up. Like, my grandfather had this, this work van uh, that we had taken all the seats out of the back and because uh, that's where his stuff was uh, that he sold. And there were the two front seats. And, uh, and then in between the two front seats, to begin with, we had, you guys remember, like, the old Fisher-Price kitchens with the little yellow chairs? <laughs> Yeah, that was that's where I sat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, and my sister sat in the other seat. So you pick us up from school. Like I was the one chosen as the sacrifice, you know. But like uh, she got to live. Uh, but I sat on the, I sat on the little yellow chair, which eventually uh, I graduated because my butt got bigger, I guess. But we put a we put a milk crate in there, and I just sat on the milk crate like thousands of miles, right? You know, 
Uh, this wasn't when I was actually just sitting in his lap, like, driving, you know, but uh, we just did this stuff. Like, you don't even think about it. We actually, the first time I went to Disney World when I was five, we uh, we took the back seat out of our old Plymouth van, uh, Bessie we called her, and we just laid down a mat, right, and my sister and I just slept all the way, like, 10-hour drive to Orlando, you know, like, like in the back, like, you know, and, and it was like, and you, you want to say to your parents, like, were you trying to kill me? You know, like, what, what were you thinking? You know, but but every other vehicle, like, did the same. Every other, per, like, everyone did this for the most part. Right? You, you, it was just different. You just didn't think about it, right? Uh, uh, until one day you did. You know what I'm saying? Until, until one day uh, we don't do that anymore, right? And now you just, like, your car... Goes crazy if you don't wear your seatbelt. It's like ding 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 ding, you know. And you're like, please Lord, buckle up, you know. Uh, and but this to this day, like my dad will not wear seatbelts, right? He just won't do it, right? He just he won't. But he has perfected it, right? He's perfected it. Now, if it's just him in the car, like he 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 won't do anything, right? He'll just he's like stronger than the dinging noise, you know. He's like he's like. I'm bigger than you, you know, but, uh, but if you're in the car with him, you're like, dad, please, I can't handle it, please buckle up, and so he's like, he'll like pull the seatbelt all the way out and like whip it around the back and click it, like from behind the seat, you're like, you can do that, you know, like, and he's like perfected it, you know, it's like, what's going on, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, you guys can ask him about that, uh, you're like, but, but it's funny, so it's like at one point, at one point you, we just sort of lived this way until one day we just, we didn't anymore. You know, it's like we know more now. Like more information has come out. People have died. Things have changed, right? So you just, you know, you don't even think about it. You, you wear your seat down, right? It's just what you did. You know, and you almost think about or can get lost in thinking like, man, what will it be when our kids, our grandkids think back like, I can't believe they did that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they use fossil fuels, you know, or whatever, you know. Who knows? Uh, there's this moment, right, that happens. There's this, there's this moment, there's this transition from being uh, unaware to aware, right? There's this moment when it's almost like you, you wake up. Um, uh, you, you didn't realize, and, and now you do, right? And now you see. Uh, we always uh, always pick on the, the ponds today. We always joke with the ponds because, like, Emily and I will always like, inevitably watch some new documentary that's totally enlightening about like plastic or you know uh, the food or the coral reef or something. We'll be like, you guys have to watch this, you know. And and Zach now he's just like, no, we don't, you know. It's like, you know, it's like because. Because once you, like, once you know, like, once you see, you can't unsee, you know what I'm saying? Like, once you become enlightened, you can't, like, unenlighten, you know? It's like, yeah, it's like you're responsible with this information, you know what I'm saying? And I, I totally get it. And I, we were just laughing uh, in, our, in our group because, uh, because before Disney World, I was like, avoid all Disney World stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to know, you know, I was like, I don't want to know, you know, because, uh, and so, like, what's, you know, I don't want to know what's behind the curtain, just give me my magic and my ice cream, you know, that's, that's all I want. Uh, and so, but now, now I'll probably look up all the dirt, you know, probably not, no. But, um, 
It's like, do you ever just become aware of something or like see something or, or realize something and you're like, this is crazy. This is, this is amazing. I can't believe this, right? And, and you're just like hyped up about it. And, 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 and then you like peek your head above the, 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 the covers, right? And you're like, did anybody else see that? <laughs> and it's just like crickets. You know, it's like, no, no one. You're like, how did you miss that? Like, what's up? Like, you're like passionate about this. You're like, you're like posting online. You're like tweeting about it, you know, and you're like expecting high fives. Instead, you get like the snarl face, you know, everyone's like angry at you, you know, like boo, you know, and, and if it's my Facebook wall, the conservative trolls start coming out, you know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, who are you people? You're on my Facebook uh, anyway, the person you haven't seen since high school is like, anyway, don't get me, don't get me started. It's like, how are you, how, how did you, how are you unchanged by this, right? How, how are you unchanged by this, right? How are you still the same? It's like when you run into that person that you haven't seen in like 10 years or something, or in college or in high school, I guess for some of you that would be like kindergarten or something, uh, you know, and, and, and then, but they're like, they're like exactly the same, like they're wearing the same clothes, they're telling the same jokes, they're doing the same stuff, and they're just like, they're the same person, right, and by the way, I have seen adult kindergartners, they are out there, like I know them, right, they're like the same person, right. Some people actually like say this about me sometimes because I've been wearing the same clothes for like ten years. Like, I'm sorry, you know, it's just who I am. I saw my Lanking shirt from 1994. It's recycling, right? It's a totally different issue. Uh, but, but you know, it's like you see them; they're like, they're like the same. They're like totally unchanged. And so there's this sort of mystery that you can almost just call like consciousness, right? Uh, there's this sort of like. What is consciousness? Like, why do some people spot injustice and some don't? Why do some seem to taste but, but others don't? Right? Why do some see but others don't seem to? Why are some people dissatisfied and, and other people are just fine? Like, why do some people uh, seem to be like hearing the cry of the voiceless and others are just like skating on by eating their ice cream? You know, it, it's like consciousness, awareness, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. Like, what, you know, what is the deal? Uh, I, I love that, that in the text that Jesus uses this language like, so Lazarus is asleep, and we're going to go there and wake him up. You know? <laughs> I love that, that like, that's like the language that Jesus always seems to prefer. Like, like, uh, you know, because isn't that what he's up to in like every one of our lives? Like that Jesus is like waking us up. Uh, Jesus is like enlightening us. He's, he's, he, the more we know Christ, the more we find ourselves sort of like, whoa, you know, like that, that it's going somewhere, right? That, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, that there's this stretching, right? Uh, I remember we were talking about the college years because inevitably, you know, some of you are in the thick of it, right? That inevitably the college years are always tend to be like this bubble of, of, of this bubble moment where you're like, it's like intense stretching and tension, you know, and inevitably by the time you're like a junior or senior, you find yourself in this sort of confrontation with your family or your old church or your, this institution or whatever. Even the things that were like, that made you you, that like you got your identity from, the people that are closest to you, now because of this sort of like, 
uh, a waking moment because you're woke, right? Uh, you know, there's this there's rub that's now happening, and you're like, well, shoot, you know, like, dang it, right? And now, like, Thanksgiving is awkward, you know, and, and all this other stuff, and it's like, this must be what, what my aunt was trying to warn me about or something, you know, it's like, this is, like, what's the deal? Richard Rohr, uh, in his book, Falling Upward, uh, it's, it's a really awesome book, um, but there's this one moment where he talks about, you know, when you're a child, when you're like a baby, you, you know, you need the boundaries, right? It's like, it's like when you're a child, you need things to be black and white, don't you? You need like the, you need the rules, right? You need the baby gates. You, uh, you, you need things to, to give you space to, and freedom to run around and bump your head. Like you need the safe zone, right? You need things like that. You need the boundaries and the rules, right? But when you get older, there's this like opening up that begins to happen, isn't there? Where it's like, you know, all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, this is not this or that, right? Uh, you begin to see that the dualism isn't necessarily true. You begin to see that there's more, and it's not that it's, like you needed that when you were a baby, but but now like there's a sort of unfolding that needs to happen. There's this sort of like uh, let's see what else is going on. The lines begin to blur, right? Things begin to become a little more gray. And even the rules aren't super helpful anymore. And the very boundaries that uh, kept you, uh, helped you grow up, now are like calling you beyond them. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody goes beyond the reef. You know, it's like, <laughs> but it calls me. <laughs> If you preach at Kaleo, there's a minimum of one Moana reference. Right? Nobody goes beyond the reef, you know? It's like, but you have to get beyond, right? And so there's this sort of like, there's this sort of like first half, second half of life thing that's, that's kind of going on, right? Uh, it's interesting. So if you notice in the text, uh, there's uh, actually one of the main characters in this text is uh, and through John is uh, what he just labels as the Jews. And when he says, like, the Jews, he's not talking about, like, me or you. He's talking about, like, the higher-ups, right? He's talking about those who have some sort of say or some sort of power here. Uh, and they're all over the place. Uh, and specifically in this text, they're all over the place. Uh, and so there really are a, a main character here. But in verse 8, he, there's sort of this reference like, so you're going to go back there? They tried, the Jews tried to stone you, referring to what had just happened in chapter 10. And then in verse 10, it says, the Jews came from Jerusalem. They were hopping and skip. They're going to go over there and console Mary and Martha. And then in verse 31, it says, the, the Jews are, are there. And Jesus is trying to have this like private conversation with Mary. And the Jews are like, hey, what's going on? You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> They're like they're there together in this intimate setting, and it says the Jews came along, you know. And, um, and John is like John is telling us that they're they're there in the narrative, right? They're part of the story. The Jews are there, and they're seeing everything too, right? They're there experiencing everything too, right? They saw it all. They're a central character uh, in this story, right? And it's almost it's almost baffling because you're like, if anyone is going to get this Messiah thing. It probably ought to be the Jews, right? It ought to be them who are sort of like putting, connecting the dots. Uh, uh, and then in verse 33, uh, it, even the Jews are weeping, right? And then by verse 37, they're sort of saying, like, well, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind, uh, uh, right? 
which was the last sign, right, that if you're tracking in John, there's like these signs, right, that happened, uh, we talked about it last week in chapter 9, right, uh, he opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, but then, right, then it sort of shifts, and they raised, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and then you get verse uh, 45, and it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. Many believed, but some of them, right? Some, like, what, what in the world? I mean, are you, are you tracking, like, hot, like, what is the deal? Like, some saw and believed, and some didn't, right? How does it and not only did they not believe, they, like, doubled down, you know what I'm saying? Their stance against Jesus, like, uh, like, how does this make any sense? Like, how does that work, right? Why? Like, some believed, some like, why aren't they wearing their seatbelts, right? Like, what, what, are, what are they missing? Like, how do they not know? Can they not see? Lazarus is alive. He's breathing. He's eating. He's sneezing. He's talking. He's jumping. Like, how are, how, how are they missing what's going on, right? I mean, it's so amazing, right? And so, again, you get this sort of, uh, very similar to the language that, that, that Jesus uses in chapter 9 when he's saying, like, oh, the blind, the blind are the ones who actually can see, right? Uh, and those who see find out that they're blind, right? And, oh, the dad, the dad are the ones who actually, uh, they live, right? And you say you live, and maybe you, you are dead, uh, right? And so there's this sort of flipping on its head again that begins to, to happen here. Actually, just a chapter later, John writes, and he says, Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and the, this, again, this sort of term, this whole signs thing is, is very pertinent in John, right? So there are these, uh, there are these signs, and um, up to this point, this raising Lazarus from the dead is like the seventh sign, okay? Right, there, there have been all these signs. You guys remember way back... Uh, we talked about a handful of weeks ago, right? The changing the water into wine. Okay, sign number one, right? Uh, it's the first of signs. Grace upon grace, right? There's this incarnational, abounding salvation thing that happens, right? Water into wine. The second thing happens uh, where he heals the royal official's son in chapter four. Uh, then there's the healing of the paralytic at Bethesda, uh, chapter five. He feeds the the five thousand people, right? Jesus feeds us, right? Uh, happens again. Fifth sign, Jesus walks on water, right? He is divine, right? And check out his relationship with creation and the divine elements, right? Um, number six, right? He heals a man born blind from birth. And number seven, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay. Now, you have to take just a quick step back and, and, uh, and think about, well, John is like, this is like a very deliberate thing that's happening. John is like, Seven signs. This is perfect. All this stuff. Jesus is human. <coughs> Jesus is divine. Jesus feeds us. Jesus walks on water. Jesus uh, cures our diseases. Jesus helps us see. And now Jesus raises from the dead. Seven signs. Perfect. Like this is who Jesus is. You can't miss it. It's everywhere. All the dashboard lights are blinking, right? It's like this is who 
He is, right? So how is it you're still not getting it? So verse, uh, verse 47 says, uh, So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, What are we to do? This man is performing many signs, right? Which is the question you should be asking at that point. What are we going to do? To raise the people from the dead. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. Like a, dude, a guy was just raised from the dead. What are they concerned about? Their sanctuary and their flag. Right? Are you with me? And it's like, really? Really? Like somehow, even in the midst of such a sign, all we seem to be, all, all we're honing in on is like our, our self-preservation. Right? Self-preservation mode, right? The systems we built, everything that we have, all the power, all our control, right? Uh, we're operating totally out of fear here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this sort of worry, this holding on to our rights, right? There's this interesting, this is crazy relationship, too. You can't miss with the Romans and the Jews, right? Caiaphas, who's the high priest, right? Normally, if you were a high priest, okay, that's like a life thing. Like, you're a high priest for life. When you die, they find a new one. But just to kind of give you an example of the relationship that's happening here, right? If there was too much of a ruckus, right, uh, the Romans would have come and give Caiaphas the boot, like saying, nope, let's find somebody else. You're not doing your job, right? And so uh, they're thinking, like, well, what's going to happen when a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of Jewish people roll in here trying to say Jesus is king, right? This, this whole thing, this whole thing is going to blow up, right? We, this whole thing is going crazy. We can't... We can't lay down our arms right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've got to hold our ground because this whole thing is about to blow up. Because we could lose everything, right? We could, we could lose everything we've built. Everything we've done is to keep this thing going, right? Everything we've done is to keep our history and our politics alive, to keep, keep our faith systems in place, to keep, to keep our little Jewish kids safe, right? Everything we've ever done, right, is to hold on to this, right? And so you kind of see where they're coming from. Okay, it's, it's easy to sort of demonize it, right? And saying, well, that jabroni, you know, he's just trying to, you know. And there is some power grabbing. There is this political, there's this empire, you know. But at the same time, there's, there, I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't take much hop, skip, and a jump to see why on Friday they're like, crucify him, you know. Uh, because there's sort of a lot, there's sort of a lot at stake, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's tough to deal with. So where are seatbelts? At, at one point, we rode in horse and buggies. Uh, you know, now we're riding cars. Where are seatbelts? Uh, isn't it funny, though, like, uh, our ability to resist change? And our ability to, uh, our tenacity to resist change. And, and, you know, the glaring thing really, you know, this week with the whole Florida shooting and everything that's going on, and there's so much going on. But I feel like this week, more than ever, and I'm not even like on social media a lot, um, but it's like this week, man, like everybody and their mama is, is saying something, right? Is posting something. Uh, right, is throwing something out there. Everyone's got something to say about this. 
And, and honestly, like, I think maybe, unlike some other scenarios, like, maybe this is a good thing, right? You know, that, that, it, that at some level, like, we find the priest point of saying, like, no matter what, like, confession, things broken, like, let's do something, right? Let's do something, right? You see it posted over and over, like, thoughts and prayers are no longer a valid response, right? Uh, let's do something, right? It's like, how many people need to die? How many tragedies need to be endured? How many families need to be broken, right? Uh, before those in power and those with the rights and even those who of us who live in our neighborhoods are willing to, to do something, to, to change, right? To willing to, to give them up, um, right? How many, how many signs do we need to see? Are you with me? What are what what some of the signs we are missing today, right? It's not a black and white issue. <laughs> There's a lot going on. What what are some of the signs we're missing today? And, you know, I wonder if it's not. You know, you ever realize like sometimes it's like the exact moment of your enlightening or awakening, awakening or your evolving or whatever that you find yourself in the most conflict with those. Uh, around you, right? It's like the exact moment, like Jesus just raised you from the dead, and five verses later, they're like, how can we kill Lazarus? You know, you're like, come on! You know, like, really? Like, I just got back. Uh, you know, it's like the exact moment where you find yourself, like, waking up and realizing, like, let's do something. Do you see this? Are you with me? Like, that the very systems, right, and often the ones that even created your own, own identity are like, like, no, no way, man. Like, we've got to preserve this thing. Double down, right? And, and, and there's this, like, there's this resting, there's this tension, right? It's a great paradox. And so this morning, uh, wrapping up, um, when we have something to lose, and, and when we operate out of fear, and when we're more concerned with our own personal peace and our own personal comfort, right? Um, when we've decided that we know all the truth, right? It's like the moment that you become certain, like, is the moment that you're certainly wrong. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, 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 you, and inevitably, we, we find ourselves asking, we're like, how is it that, how is it that some Christians can be so unchristlike. It's like, you know, uh, doggone it, you know. It's like either they are just total hypocrites, right, Christians, or, right, they have this image of Christ that is completely different than yours, right? Um, because, unfortunately, uh, if, if we've come to know anything, we've come to realize that we're pretty good at making God in our own image rather than being made into the image of God. Right? And so the gospel always is this move away from fear, away from self-preservation mode. He said, the, the, the disciples were like, uh, let's not go back there because they're going to kill you, right? Jesus is like, walk in the light. All I can think of was the DC talk song. Walk in the light, uh, right? Uh, because once you see, you can't unsee. 
And the moment that you do see, and then you decide you're going to attempt to try not to see anymore, right? Well, that's actually what we call death. Uh, that, that's, the real, that's the real deal, right? And so this morning, how is Jesus waking you up? How are you being arisen today? How are you meeting with the risen Christ, right? What stretching is happening, right? And so all these signs that happen are, are about pointing to who this Christ is, right? Well, who have we come to know in seeing the identity of the one that we call uh, the Christ, right? Who, who is he? And in the midst of such tragedies and, and everything that we're facing today, I think it's important to remember that our Christ is one who loves. And that our Christ is one who weeps. And that our Christ is one who comes and even sits in the ashes. And yet our Christ is one who is willing to go and confront the corrupt and broken systems and political empires of his day, even if it kills him. And yet our Christ is one who comes and raises us from those ashes and from that place of death this morning. May we live and be a people who worship and reflect the image of that Christ this morning. So, let's pray. Lord God, it continues to be a, a mystery of, I don't know, almost a pretentious consciousness or awareness, Lord. Um, but what does it mean that, that we live in conflict, uh, even with our world, and sometimes with those we love, Lord? Because um, uh, there's, 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 uh, it's, it's not a surprise that we all want to survive. And so maybe that's what makes the whole thing a little more radical when you follow a Christ who says, uh, I don't have to survive. Lord, help us to be people who look more and more like you, who love and who weep and who go and who speak, who are healed and who heal others and speak a word of resurrection. Um, not just for some, I'll fly away one day, God, but for today, for Sunday, for February. Uh, and so we give you thanks uh, this morning for your word, for your people your kingdom that is arriving and changing and shaking and waking everything up. Lord, help us stay woke. We give you thanks in your name.